This is a podcast from WSUM. This is WSUM Madison Student Radio. I'm Quentin, WSUM's program director. You're listening to Sid's Music Desk. This episode features Omiak Records founder, Mr. Houstine. Mr. Houstine is the next big thing in French Touch. The definitive disco edition of No Time to Lose is the best French Touch album I've heard in years, with an oral aesthetic reminiscent of Cassius' 1999, Daft Punk's homework, and Paul Johnson's work on the Critimore label. Recently on my WSUM show, The Prescription, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet with the upcoming French Touch producer on the precipice of the reissue and reimagination of their 2020 album, No Time to Lose. Throughout our interview, we talked about the moniker of DJ, the intersection of music and visual art, DIY music, our shared profound love of French Touch, their sublime Disco's Revenge remix of Disco Holic's Disco Soul, what led them to create the definitive disco edition of No Time to Lose in the art of seamless album transitions. Hope you enjoy. This is Sid's Music Desk. Do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners of my show? Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Mr. Houston. I'm a disco uh, producer, house music producer, hailing from New York City. And I also dabble in graphic design and visual arts, but my heart mainly lies in both. <laughs> I'm, I've always been very interested about your name. I've seen your name pop up in various comment sections around French Touch YouTube over the years. Why did you decide on the name of Mr. Houston? Basically, it's based on my real name, or more like sort of like a pronunciation of it. I wanted something that would be a bit close to home, but then also, you know, have a nice ring to it. It was almost going to be DJ, but someone insisted I do like Mr. instead. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, here at our station, like I train some people and I always tell them like, don't be DJ, like be a singular being. I feel like it's so much more unique and like it really sticks with you if you're not a DJ. Like DJ Houston, I, I would have been, you know, I, I wouldn't have stuck with me as much yeah. as Mr. Houston. You don't see a lot of misters. It's it's nice. Yeah. I'd say like DJ only works for, you know, DJ Falcon. That's a oh, yeah. exception. Oh, yeah. DJ Falcon, classic. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great one. I, I think of all like, other house and French touch producers. And I can't really think of uh, DJ Medi, obviously. Uh, DJ Medi, um, yes. I, I like the singular beings. I like your, your yeah. Daft Punk, Alan Brakes. I like Cassius. Cassius. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I feel like it's just the way to go. Just instead of a DJ, you got to just, yeah. just be a singular being. It's so much cooler. Uh, DJ Cassius, that wouldn't have worked. It's Cassius. It works. It's awesome. What inspired you to start making your music? I'm pretty sure like you'll ask a bunch of musicians who do this kind of stuff and they'll all say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Daft Punk, it's, yep. they sort of go a bit farther back. Like when I was growing up, my family was listening to the radio a bunch. Like I even remember like One More Time and Lady by Mojo. Like I remember those two songs from way back. Mm -hmm. They sort of like resonated with me for a bit. They sort of didn't become like a uncovered memory until 2010 when I discovered mm. Daft Punk to begin with. But then in 2005, that's when you had uh, Madonna. She released her Conventions on a Dance Floor album, which was heavily French touch and disco inspired. And five-year-old me was absolutely obsessed with that album, thanks mm. to how much airplay had gotten, especially Hung Up, which still remains one of my favorite songs to this day. So it's like a combination of what I heard in childhood and then the discovery to Daft Punk, it just came all full circle then I started admiring their techniques even like the techniques of like in the confessions album so it's like I don't know just motivated me to want to do the same thing in the end when I started like uh like almost 
more than a decade ago. I started around like 2011. My mm-hmm. first like uh, my first DAW digital audio workstation, what have you. It was Audio Tools, uh, web based, because like you know, I was I was a child. I did not know how to get Ableton by oh yeah funky means, and then, yeah. like I couldn't pay for it either. So it's like Audio Tool like did a lot of that heavy lifting for me, and it made it like accessible. It wasn't the best, but you got to start somewhere and it's like it's okay to be a little bit frugal at first i'm sure yep, yep. a lot of the greats back then when they were starting out like had access to pretty much the same stuff even like the equipment that is really expensive now was considered pretty cheap back in those mm-hmm. days and even didn't justice use like garage band yeah too, yeah i was actually gonna say that yeah on uh, their album cross uh they actually used garage band which is shocking to me to think of how many like cut up samples are in there and just like all just like the depth of each of those songs i think it's like it's crazy to me yeah. but there is some samples actually on that album that are garage band loops which i think is really funny um really yeah i think on um phantom there's something in there i think it's i, I like you said i you got to start somewhere and i feel like everybody has that point and i think it's it's really fun to like be able to express what you want to like have to have the the means to Express what you you know you want to do. Yeah, music. I think that's great. Do you want to talk about uh, some artists or labels that are big influences to your music? Well, I already just named a few. Like definitely Madonna and Daft Punk. But let me get started on Madonna. She's been a huge inspiration, especially in terms of, like the more pop flavor I've introduced to my sound recently mm-hmm. with like the album that I just did. But like. A lot of like she was always very cutting edge, especially at the turn of the century. Oh yeah, Ray of Light music and even like Confessions, like those are my three favorite albums, and they've really inspired me a ton. Especially mm-hmm. with how she ventured into electronic and mixed it with her own sound and managed like you know take it farther and really you know be an innovator at that. Oh time. yeah, uh, she's always been on the cutting edge of everything. I loved her collaboration with Sophie back in the early 2010s where she really took a bet on Sophie who hadn't really been big to that point. And she made, yeah. uh, she made the song bitch. I'm Madonna. Um, and <laughs> I think, I think that's awesome. And just even going back to her earlier stuff in the eighties, I mean, that first album, you have your production by uh, Jellybean Benitez and there's just great, uh, like, um, Oh, what is it? Celebration. It's not celebration. It's um, holiday. Holiday. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> holiday, just a wonderful song. Uh, I've always loved what she's been able to do. So yeah, I can definitely see how that could be a big inspiration. Yeah, like, especially like on the production aspect, like you have Stuart Price, like he mm-hmm. was a big name in the French touch scene too, even working together with Cassie as he was like, mm-hmm. lay rhythm digital, like I'm probably butchering Oh yeah, that, but yeah. He remixed Cassius a few times. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I really like, uh, I, I did a DJ set for my birthday and I played uh, one of their songs, uh, Jock, You Make My Body Rock, I think is the song's name. Classic. That's a great track. Speaking about just like Cassius and all that, uh, have have those artists influenced you? Any French touch? Probably more than Daft Punk, like Cassius, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Philippe Zar. Oh. Like, I miss him terribly. And like, I feel like mm-hmm. if it weren't for him, none of this would have taken place. He was truly the first of his kind, even though they were all taking notes from what was going on in Chicago stateside at the time. Like, what they managed to cultivate was really honestly inspiring especially with how diy it was for them Mm -hmm. working like 
you know, in their home studios and setting up these own club nights to really get themselves out there and just the way they went about it. Cause like, you know, Philip had his own studio. He started as a uh, assistant then used it to make the motor bass album, which truly an iconic piece of French touch. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to listen to that, it's like, it's a mix of hip hop, but oh, yeah. even like Cassius 1999, which personally one of my favorite albums has Me as well. a Me bunch as of those well. vibes. It sounds so unique. It's just, I feel like no other albums that I've heard have captured like the sound and, and how Cassius 1999 makes me feel like on um, La Mouche with just like the mosquito synthesizer. I think that's like yeah. one of my favorite. Like, it's so it's so unique. Just all those things that they were able to do. Really love them. They apparently a lot. made it in a short time span too. I remember like seeing it in an interview. Like I think they were given a limited amount of time to make an album and Cassius 1999 was pretty much born out of that. Like you said, uh, it's one of your favorite albums. It's one of my favorite albums, too. I mean, everything on that album is just excellent. Always really enjoy listening to it. I was actually listening to it earlier today. Always on my rotation. It's classic. I even own it on vinyl, too. It's one of my most prized possessions, oh, yeah. <laughs> Totally fair. Yeah, I got to pick that up. I still uh, tried my best to find French touch. And you know, it's, it's a challenge a lot of the time. A lot of the time, you got to yeah. go out of your way, go on Discogs. Not always out and about, at least here at record stores, which kind of sucks. Does any other media outside of music inspire you and your work? This is where I sort of come back to Cassius, and I do want to wrap it around like to the influence aspects because it is sort of linked up in a way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a lot of like Cassius's art direction, like especially for 1999, has really inspired me, and from there I found like so many great graphic designers and art directors, which I myself am a graphic designer. So I've always looked to like music for an inspiration, like Cassius 1999's like album cover and even some of the singles. If you yeah. look at Feeling For You or even La Mouche, like yeah. they're inspired by like a bunch of like sort of like vintage, like, you know, 60s, 70s lounge type. And even like La Mouche was inspired by uh, Chuck Close's paintings. I noticed there was a bit of an overlap in like pop art, which really is a huge inspiration to me, especially in terms of like silk screening and screen printing, which brings me to the Chemical Brothers who mm-hmm. had a lot of their album covers designed by Kate Gibb, who I love her work so much. She's the reason I got into graphic design, but her sleeves for uh, Surrender, Come With Us, We Are The Night, they've really left an impact on me and sort of led me to like go into that visual style on a lot of my albums and single art just a mixture of like pop art contemporary art and even you know motion graphics which the chemical brothers also come into play with all the visuals that they've done live they are absolutely mind-bending a lot of it organically made some of it was also diy which i don't know i always love a diy approach to these things but definitely like artists like kate gibb uh andy warhol keith herring even the julian house from uh i think it's ghost house recordings or something like that it's really a huge mixed bag when it comes to like inspiration outside of music especially Mm -hmm. being a graphic designer and visual stuff that i feel like just inherently like french touch is so wound together with art in general like so many of those people that are making French touch. They have such like an artistic background, whether it's in graphic design or cinema or anything like that. I mean, uh, if you look at all the musicians, I mean, most of them are making their own movies or 
uh, at the very least directing their music videos and all that kind of stuff. So uh, even Justice started out as graphic designers mm-hmm. before they started doing what they were doing. There's definitely the connection there. It's it's very interesting. So I really loved your remix of Disco Holics Disco Soul. It was one of my favorite releases from last year. What does your process look like when you're remixing a track? You're really like changing it up. I, I feel like the sound of a good remix completely changes what the original is. And I think that remix did a really great job at that. So do you want to walk through what your process was like? That's a good question because in a way I don't really have a process like You know, like sometimes like I'll get ideas for certain things as I go along, but usually it's just deconstructing the song and then throwing things at a wall, see what sticks. Like the process for Disco Soul was sort of similar like that. I just found some like loops that I felt would work. And then once I get like the vibes going where like I felt like Disco Soul could be turned into a nice like uh, turn of the century, like Disco House Pop, like Sing It Back, Maloko, which... I love Roisin Murphy so much, mm-hmm. but I just got those sort of vibes, like sing it back and like, if they're saying love, like that song. I, felt I like, was hearing uh, like the Alex Gopher yeah. in there, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I love the sound of it. It was great. That's pretty much where I ended up going, but I still wanted to retain like the value of like a regular pop song, but mm-hmm. that sometimes doesn't apply to everything. Like I even did a remix for a, Mare No Tilde's song, Love Is Gonna Get You, which was released on my own label, Omiac, mm-hmm. which shout out to the Omiac crew. True. Uh, with his song, like, the remix was radically different, and I sort of did intentionally to make it more Chicago house sounding based on mm-hmm. some loops that I found that I thought would work pretty well, too. So it really just all depends on, like, the vibes that I get from the track and what I feel can be brought out of it, really. I, I really did like Disco Soul and I love Disco Holics Anonymous. Just such a great your album. remake. Oh, such a great album. One of my favorites from last year. But just something about your remix of Disco Soul, just it like took everything that I love from that album to the extreme and then it added in all the the inspiration from that you could totally hear from like you were saying, early two thousands, like house bangers and all that kind of stuff. And it, it really turned out great. Is again one of my favorite releases from last year. I loved it a lot. What led you to create uh, the definitive edition of your 2020 album, No Time to Lose? There's no 2020 album. There was oh, only 2023. Sorry. No, like, I'm I'm joking. Like, oh, yeah. Basically, this definitive yeah. edition, like, I wanted to build on the original 2020 version, mm-hmm. which, like, I started all the way back in 2018. But then, like, you know, a bunch of stuff happened, especially lockdown. So, mm-hmm. like it was very stressful like trying to get like that first edition out of it like making complete which I ultimately did but I wasn't necessarily happy with the final result and even like one day it was supposed to have a vocalist but like some stuff got like it didn't work out there so just I ended up releasing it as an instrumental but the way it was released this year that's the way it was always supposed to sound Mm -hmm. so it's like I just wanted to take those extra three years to make it like the way I intended it from the very beginning. And I'm glad like, you know, I had a lot of support from my friends at Only Afternoon and even like at Montan, the label that released it, they mm-hmm. really helped bring it to life. And I was able to do all these things that I never thought like I was able to do. And even like Fiber, who runs Montan and even mixed and mastered the entire album, he was a huge source of inspiration for getting it together i really loved it and uh 
seriously, some of the best French touch I've heard in years. It just really reminded me of early, early Daft Punk uh, with that great sound and and Paul Johnson <laughs> while he was doing stuff with, oh, God. Rest not peace. Oh, rest in peace, Paul Johnson. Actually, crazy story. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Johnson, he actually headlined the music festival here at my station in like 2003, which was shocking to me. There, people, That's so cool. There is some... Like, like whenever you start at the station, they always run you through like, oh, here's who's here's who's been here. Like uh, we had the White Stripes for our first music festival way in 1999 before they blew up. And like we had Andrew W.K. and we've had Chance the Rapper and SZA show up to the station for interviews before. But I didn't know for years. I didn't know for two years almost that Paul Johnson played. And then I was walking around the station. I see a promo for a um, for our Party in the Park Festival from like 2003. And right at the top of the DJ selection for our DJ stage, it was Paul Johnson. I was just, I was shocked. It was like, oh, yeah, rest I'm in peace, so Paul Johnson. That's so yeah. cool. It is crazy. Another crazy thing, totally unrelated. There's a place about an hour and 30 minutes away from here called Eagle Cave. And it was actually the first place that Daft Punk played in North America, which is shocking. And I haven't made the pilgrimage yet, but Wasn't they played it the same place cave. where like even further played. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, the year before uh, for this rave, uh, Aphex Twin played, which is just like crazy. Like there's just there's so much history in that sort of genre being from the Midwest, um, especially since we're pretty close to Chicago. It's it's really interesting. It's kind of died down now. We don't have as much like exciting house happening in the Midwest, but uh, the the remnants of it is just it, it's so cool to hear the history of the whole the whole area. I can imagine, especially with like how rampant rave culture was in like the Midwest. Oh, like, yeah. Even had like a bunch of acts from overseas coming over there. Like, of course, yeah, the Apex Twin, but then you had like Fat Boy Slim. You had like also the Chemical Brothers. Like, mm-hmm. I think Underworld, like, and Orbital did a few stints here too. But like, I guess it sort of makes sense of like, you know, the Midwest sort of like calm in nature from what I gather. I've mm-hmm. never been over there, but sort of like the juxtaposition with like a more energetic rave all these lights all the pounding music and even just you know good vibes in general i'm even thinking of like when daft punk did it like it was just so ahead of the time like it Mm -hmm. really made a nice like setting for all these things to be developed i do wish it would continue but of course like you know times change but it's really nice to like have that like entire section of the country be home to history like that yeah, our scene is is changed pretty dramatically since then. I think it was more grunge and electronic in the '90s, uh, but now it's it's mostly Midwestern emo is our that is our <laughs> genre of expertise and great scene, very very lively. But uh, I, I tried to bring back the disco. Uh, me and my friends were trying to we really want to do like a just a, a disco themed set of DJ sets, like just pure disco '70s early 80s like that whole uh, so cool. idea and oh i would i would love to make that happen we don't have any good funk bands or any any we have some hip hop but not a ton it's mostly just uh our email scene which is fine i do like it occasionally but i just think how crazy it would have been to be there when just like the greats like like daft punk like Aphex twin like fatboy slim when they were all here where i am like it's just it's crazy to me i mean hey like there's always a chance to DIY things there too. Like oh yeah. For like the French touch scene, the main way it sort of took place was like 
at uh, Le Queen, you know, like a gay club, like they ended up holding residencies there, like the Respect is Burning parties. That's where Daft Punk got their names out there. Cassius, like no one else would take them, but like they ended up cultivating their own music that way and it got pretty far that way. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I feel like if you do have the means and like, you know, the people who are involved, like I'm sure like you could get something going there again. I've even seen like events in Vaporwave too, where I see a lot of like house music and disco sort of like slowly come back, especially, well, I'm in New York. So like probably going to be more common, but I do feel like doing it yourself, like there could be a lot of like reward coming out of that the same way a lot of the great started years ago. Yeah. I feel like the barrier to entry for um, making music or at least DJing in, in some regards is a little bit easier now because there's ways to find music or to get the software. Um, you can, you can do a pretty good DJ set on just a little tiny mixer. I mean, back in the day, you'd have to get the physical vinyl and you'd have to get both turntables and you'd have to get the mixer and like all that kind of stuff. And I feel like now there's a lot more possibility for, for DIY, which is really, really cool. Yeah. One of my favorite things when I'm listening to albums is a seamless transition between songs. Do you want to talk about why you chose to do that on No Time to Lose? No, it's actually not the first time I did that. Like on my 2018 album, Anachronism, I had sort of started with that from the beginning. I wasn't able to do it as detailed as I did with No Time to Lose because I was still working with very primitive software, but Ableton managed to like help me do it in a way where I could plan it out a lot more. There's also something that like a lot of my favorite artists have done where they would do small segues in between stuff. And even some people like have done like full mixed albums, which I feel like is sort of a lost art, and especially in this age of a uh, streaming and whatnot where it's like you sort of need to have songs sort of st on a standalone basis where it's like you know so they could you know stand out you can sort of enjoy it from beginning to end shuffle and whatnot but for me I wanted to sort of create a cohesive experience especially sort of flowing as if it were a DJ set itself which is also where Madonna came into play which her album also did the same thing like for the same purposes so I like I just wanted it to sort of be an homage in a way, especially doing some DJing here and there. I love putting music together, tra transitions, like just layering and whatnot. So I wanted to pretty much add that to what I made. Hopefully, maybe some people get a kick out of it, sort of have its own charm. I know I, whenever I'm listening to music, I just really enjoy enjoy the way that it sounds. It's just is, is great. I, I think another album talking about Cross by Justice again, that's one that always stuck out to me. They don't have seamless transitions on every track, but when they do, it is great. And I, I love it a lot. Yeah. So definitely um, very appreciative that you did that on your album because it really immerses you in the album and it really just makes it feel like more of an experience as opposed to just like listening to one song and then the next song. It really helps make it feel cohesive and really like that a lot. Yeah, like I wanted it to be like, of course it's an album, but I wanted to like sort of be remembered as such. Like, you know, you're just diving into a world, like you're hearing all the cohesive sounds. You're just, you know, being taken on a journey. That's what I always loved about like getting into these things like way back. And I'm glad to see the sort of like art of the album returning in a way. Like one of my favorites was like, a lot of like uh, Jesse Ware's uh, Spotlight and even Roisin Murphy's uh, Roisin Machine, which actually also had segues in that 
regard. And then uh, Beyonce is Renaissance, which came oh, yeah. out last year. Like, it's nice to see that form still being preserved, especially in streaming where things are a lot more supposed to be short form. So it's mm-hmm. like, I felt like for a bit, it was a bit of a lost art, but I'm glad to see it making its return. It just really adds the full experience and really makes it very memorable and, and makes it a singular work, which I think is kind of the intention of an album, which is great. What's next for you? What's next for Mr. Hustine? Mr. Hustine's trying to figure that out too. <laughs> like, um, I know like I'm going to release one day, probably at the end of this month or the beginning of August as its own single. So definitely be on the lookout for that. I'll probably be dropping like some singles or like a single on my own label just to keep the flow going. But there is this one project that I would like to do for 2024 based around light years. It's sort of like its own form of world world building, but I don't want to reveal as much on that. So y'all might have to wait for that, but definitely look out for that. I think it's going to turn out well, but we'll see. I don't know. It's just, I'm really playing it by ear because spending five years on that album really takes it out of you so it's oh yeah i'd imagine just yeah like i'm really exhausted after like all the revisions the recording and working on the art too like i was at a point i was doing it everything but you know once Montem came in they made it a bit easier but even still like i'm definitely at a point where i need to rest the most but definitely the ball's gonna keep rolling here. I could really feel like all the passion and all the all the work that went into No Time to Lose. I, I think it really shows in the album. I think it's so well polished. Everything about the album, beyond even just the the music itself. I mean, the artwork is is just so good, and I feel like it really captures the whole vibe of the album. And I, I definitely can tell all the work that went into that. So uh, a well deserved rest. It feels so great to have it finally out. Like genuinely, I was. <laughs> pretty much sleeping chronically like for the week after it came out so it's Mm -hmm. like as we're leaving uh do you have any song or artist recommendations for listeners of my show klf justified and ancient um chemical brothers the private psychedelic real uh daft punk too long madonna nothing really matters roshin murphy jealousy jesse ware spotlight beyonce Pure Honey, Fat Boy Slim, Demons. That's everything that comes to mind right now. I would also recommend like Olmiac Records, my label. There's a bunch of like cool bops on there if you want to check that out. And uh, a lot of stuff on Montem too, which it's a lot to cover. Definitely recommend Discoholics Anonymous, but a lot of their catalog of work is absolutely stunning. Definitely would recommend. Yeah, all great picks. Thank you so much for being on this. Uh, I had a great time. It was really nice talking to you and, and getting to learn about you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. Like, it was a really wonderful experience.